Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. It is Monday, March 30th, and wouldn't you know, four weeks from today, the Miami Dolphins will have completed all three rounds of the 2020 NFL Draft, which means we will have some answers and some clarity as far as what in the hell this team is going to do. That's what I want to dedicate today's podcast too is I want to look at where the Dolphins are in this point in time as it relates to salary cap space and veterans on the roster that may be on the outs potential changes that we may see coming with the Dolphins 53 nay 55 man roster which was a part of the changes made in the new collective bargaining agreement that we'll see go into effect in the 2020 season whenever that may start So the Miami Dolphins entered this 2020 offseason with somewhere in the ballpark of $100 million in cap space. And we've gotten some trickle over the course of the past couple of days for some updated cap numbers for the Dolphins. The Dolphins at this point in time have approximately $24 million in cap space, which If you're doing the math at home, that means they spent a ton of money in free agency, which you already knew. Dolphins with $24 million in cap space, they are somewhere in the middle of the league. And according to OverTheCap.com, the Dolphins are going to need approximately $18 million to accommodate their 2020 rookie class. And that, of course is assuming the Dolphins make all the picks they are scheduled to make and don't wheel and deal their way up or down and add more or less draft picks. So this is still a very fluid situation, but by and large, with $23 million and $24 million in cap space and the Dolphins needing three-quarters of that to accommodate their rookie class, you can bet pretty safely that this team is done making splashes Unless they make some personnel changes. So with that in mind, do want to shift the attention here right off the bat before we talk about how the Dolphins structured some of these free agent signings that they've they've finalized. To look at some of the veterans on the roster who could be on the block, who may find themselves as cuts after the draft. I don't think there's any incentive or motivation for the Dolphins to do anything right now. They'll probably sit on their hand through the next three weeks before making any personal moves, unless it's a trade. So with that in mind, who are some Dolphins that can still be moved that are part of the old guard that need to be accounted for? Great question. I'm glad you asked. This question, of course, starts and ends with Burt, Albert Wilson, wide receiver, slot receiver. His base salary for 2020 is scheduled to be just under $9.5 million. He does get a $25,000 workout bonus, and 
$1.3 million of his signing bonus is prorated into the third and final year of his contract. So the Dolphins looking at a cap hit for Albert Wilson of $10.83 million. And if you're keeping score at home, that's a lot of money for a guy who missed the second half of 2018, the first year in his deal with the, with the Dolphins, and did not look like himself until the last two weeks of 2019. I think the Dolphins' ability to uh, move on from Wilson is going to be predicated on one of two things. They're either going to have to get a guy in the draft who can fill that role that they feel comfortable filling that role as this speed rack slot receiver in this offense, or they're going to have a veteran that comes down off of a price point that they're not comfortable with that they want to add. So if you told me right now I could cut Albert Wilson and I could save $9.5 million in cap space, And if I did that, I would be looking at the prospect of adding a Logan Ryan, for example, who's reportedly looking for $10 million a year. And Logan Ryan can play the nickel in this defense. I'd be really excited. Because then I don't necessarily feel like I need to peg myself a safety so that I can move Bobby back, Bobby McCain back to free safety. I could strictly play... Byron Jones, Logan Ryan, the, the problem here, of course, is that's a lot of money to roll into the secondary group, which the Dolphins are going to do. Because if they don't sign a nickel corner, they're probably going to draft a safety early and move Bobby back to the nickel. And Bobby is already a pretty penny himself. And a high draft pick would be a pretty penny himself as well. Uh, but I would take that trade off. I would take a rookie receiver in the slot there's plenty of good ones in this year's draft. And I would take the money that I'm paying Albert Wilson and I would put it into a two- or three-year Logan Ryan deal. Uh, you'd get approximately break-even. The Dolphins saving $9.5 million against the cap. They take a $1.3 million dead cap hit. So if you sign Logan Ryan for, let's say he comes down off his price, he signs for nine. You're effectively trading Bobby, or, or you're effectively trading Albert Wilson for Logan Ryan for the price of like $800,000. Seems like a good swap. You work through the rest of the Dolphins veterans, and all the top names are either names that have signed contracts in the last two weeks or players who signed contracts in the last 10 months. Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Kyle Van Noy, Albert Wilson, who we already talked about, is the lone exception. Shaq Lawson, Eric Flowers, Ryan Fitzpatrick signed 12 months ago, Emmanuel Logba, Devontae Parker signed an extension, Jesse Davis signed an extension, Jordan Howard, Jakeem Grant signed an extension, Eric Rose signed 12 months ago, they drafted Chris Wilkins last April. Ah, here's a name for you, Charles Harris. Charles Harris is the next name down the list that's like, not somebody who's recently been committed to by this regime. Charles Harris due for $3.45 million in 2020. And Charles has now had three years of opportunities to commandeer snaps. And he played less than 40% of the Dolphins' defensive snaps last year. Former first-round pick, 22nd overall selection, 2017. And... He's got like four more career sacks than you and I do. From all accounts, Charles Harris is a good dude, and he's a hard worker. 
but the light bulb has not come on. And it's kind of like what the Dallas Cowboys faced last year with another 2017 first-round pass rusher, Taco Charlton. We've reached the point with Charles Harris where it's probably just best for all involved to get a fresh start. Because Charles is... Let's not get jaded by the fact that Devontae Parker had a big breakout in year five. That is the exception, not the rule. And I say this a lot. You know, if you're not familiar with some of the other work that I do, I work a senior NFL draft analyst at draftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire. Don't set your expectations based on the exceptions. Like when the news broke that the Dolphins were going to bring back Devontae Parker and they, they worked his fifth-year option into a two-year extension, I wasn't thrilled about it. Because how many times do you see a guy that kind of floats through his first four years and then finally has the breakout year in year five as a former first-round pick? It's pretty rare. So if you were to be an optimist and point to Charles Harris and say, well, you know, Devontae Parker had a big breakout. Maybe it's Charles Harris's turn. If you watched Charles Harris play, you would see a clear lack of pass rush plan Lack of consistency, you'd see a lack of even like what he's supposed to be good at, which is you know just being physical up front. He doesn't do that overly well. He gets stuck on blocks. He has no idea what to do to get off of blocks. So if you told me right now we could cut ties with Charles Harris based on all the infusion we've had in the edge rush with Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Lagba, Kyle Van Noy, whatever they do in the draft, and it wouldn't come with any cap savings. I would still sign off on it because this thing's kind of played itself out. And Charles was to the point last year where he was a healthy scratch. Can't have it. So it's probably time to just take your L and move on. Two more names real quick. Cordrea Tankersley, cornerback. Kalen Balage, running back. Uh, Tankersley did not get healthy last year after suffering a November 2018 knee injury. I like Tankersley a lot coming out of the NFL draft. Uh, I think he had potential, but if he's slow to regain his athletic form, he already wasn't a great athlete, so that's a problematic proposition. So if the Dolphins continue to stock up, whether it's in the draft or free agency, and add more bodies, uh, Tankersley may be an odd man out, and Kalen Blage definitely going to be an odd man out. Tends to happen when you average 1.8 yards per carry. So if you stood at the line of scrimmage and fell forward, you'd average about as many yards as Kalen Blodge had on his rushes in 2019. Uh, 74 carries, 1.8 yards per carry. It's like one of the worst production seasons in, in modern NFL history for running backs before he got hurt. And no, not all of that was his fault. The offensive line last year was bad. It was terrible. But if you can't create at all, which is what we saw with Kalen, uh, you've probably run your course, especially when you factor in the, the pass catching. There were some people when Kalen Balazs came out of the draft that wanted him to transition to a wide receiver, be a big like kind of slot hybrid flex receiving back. And Balazs dropped almost everything you threw at him last year. And there were times he didn't even get his head around to look for the football. 
just wasn't on the same page with everybody else. So I think those are the four names as I look at this roster right now that are veterans that are probably, you know, if I would bet, I, I would bet they're gone. It's a question of how soon are they gone. Uh, obviously, some of these guys, big money guys, you know, Albert Wilson might get a chance to restructure his deal into an extension and push this out and you know with only 1.3 million in, in guaranteed money that they would have to extend out um, you're looking at, at taking his base salary and splitting it over two years and take a pay cut to stay with the team if they want to keep him around and give him a chance to prove he's healthy we'll be right back after this brief pause want to talk about the dolphins and how they structured uh, their bonuses for the players they signed in free agency, and also want to get into a mock draft, which presented the Dolphins with a pretty unique scenario. So we'll be right back after this. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to talk about some contracts. We're going to talk about fine print. This is fun. I like I like this stuff. As somebody who does a lot of uh, team-building content for the NFL contract structure and the salary cap and how you manipulate it is pretty engaging stuff Um, because what you're able to do depending on how you classify money is what the Dolphins did this year that allowed them to spend effectively 70 something million dollars in cap space And yet, at the same time, they're going to walk out of this season and enter 2021 with probably $80 million in cap space. So they're going to clear up $56 million in cap space by the time it's all said and done. And that doesn't even get into like potential cuts and and saving players. Uh, with cap, uh, the, the, with big cap numbers and stuff like that, but the the Dolphins have structured themselves to have a lot of flexibility, and the way they've done this with the players they've brought in, and also with how they've structured their money, is that instead of signing players, this was brought to everybody's attention by I believe it was Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald did a great job outlining what the Dolphins did. Instead of giving guys huge signing bonuses, they gave them huge roster bonuses. What does that mean? Well, when you take a signing bonus, you typically prorate the signing bonus over the course of several years throughout the contract. So, for example, Byron Jones, uh, his contract that he signed has a signing bonus of $10.5 million dollars with fully guaranteed salaries in each of the first two years. Okay, fair enough. So that $10.5 million signing bonus is prorated over all five years of his contract. So that means in all five years, there is $2.1 million of guaranteed money that is the signing bonus that was given to him up front that they got to space out throughout the entire life of the contract. With a guaranteed base salary of $11 million this year and a roster bonus of $4.5 million. 
So that roster bonus is if you are on the roster on day X, you get $4.5 million, which sounds like a great deal. But it's also a great deal for the Dolphins because instead of just giving Byron Jones $46 million in guaranteed and saying, okay, we're going to guarantee your base salary and we're going to guarantee you know, for all four years and we're going to give you a signing bonus and then you've got escalator bonuses based on performance that are non-guaranteed. When you guarantee the base salary for year three, for example, which would be 2022, you're locked in with $14 million cap hit that year. So you want to give the player a bigger upfront cash bonus, and you want to structure the money in a way in which it's going to come off the books in year one no matter what. So the player's happy because he gets his money and he gets it up front. And the team is happy because this is an extra $4.5 million of quote-unquote guaranteed money going to Byron Jones that is simply stipulated on being on the roster. But that's $4.5 less million that is then divided over the rest of the life of the contract. The Dolphins did this with a number of guys. The Dolphins also did this with Kyle Van Noy. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, $6.5 million roster bonus. Eric Flowers, $6 million roster bonus. Shaq Lawson, $2.5 million roster bonus. Jordan Howard, $3 million roster bonus. You go down the list. These guys are getting guaranteed money stashed in year one just for being on the roster. So if you took little bit of arithmetic. Now, fair warning, I'm not a math guy, but we're going to give it our best shot. Dolphins 2020 free agent signings, dollars that were given in just roster bonuses so that they are guaranteed money given to the players that can be given in year one and not divided and prorated throughout the course of the life of the contract, which then in turn snowballs and builds up, and then you've got a cap problem three years from now if you're prorating and, and splitting signing bonuses. $11 million between Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy. 13.5 plus Shaq Lawson. 19.5 plus Eric Flowers. 22.5, and a quarter plus Shaq Lawson, or plus Emmanuel Lawson, but 23 and a quarter. 26 and a quarter, adding in Jordan Howard. Over $25 million in roster bonuses given out this year. Simply structured, because if you took that, divided it by six guys, and divided it over the course of the life of their contracts, you could technically have an additional $20 million in cap space this year, but then you're losing $20 million in cap space over the course of each of the next three years. When you have the money, just pay it now. And that's what the Dolphins did, and this is smart because this gets away from what the Dolphins did for so long, which was live up against the cap space, sign guys to big contracts, restructure their deals to push back base salary and convert it to guaranteed money, which is what the players are going to want because they, they care about guarantees. Because if they're, the money's not guaranteed, the team could cut you at any point, you're not going to get your dollars. So the Dolphins would take non-guaranteed money and convert it into guaranteed money in future years and prorate that over several years to create more cap space in the here and now. Well, the Dolphins are saying, listen, we trimmed all this fat off our roster so we have cap space. Now that we have it, let's spend it now and then 
a year from now, we'll reassess. We'll have all this. We'll have $80 million in cap space next year to work with. If we want to bring in another infusion in similar fashion and spend similarly, we can do so and front load it. And then in two years, we'll have all the players that we brought in on their base salaries. But the guaranteed money of the cap, we're still going to be flexible to have $40, $50 million to work with. And then you worry about player extensions and then you get into strategy. It's a different part of the team life cycle once you're we're two years from now. But for the here and now, this is a really smart way to structure and, and work your money because it gets players to come to you. It gets players the chance to get their money and know they're taken care of financially. And it gives you long-term flexibility, which is something the Dolphins have not had in relation to the salary cap in a really long time. We're going to bring it right back. We're going to talk about a mock draft, courtesy of my colleague at the Draft Network, Joe Marino. Interesting outcome. I think it's worth talking about because it's not one that we've discussed a whole lot. So we'll be right back after this brief message. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Okay, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about something that's probably going to make everyone a little uncomfortable. Want to be upfront about that? We're going to talk about a mock draft that does not have the Dolphins walking away with Tua Tungo Valoa. Okay, I know this is is not the outcome many of you want, but it is an outcome that needs to, at the very least, be considered. So Joe Marino at the Draft Network did a mock draft this morning and let it drop. And in that mock draft, he has the Chargers trading up from 6-4 to four with the New York Giants. The top five is Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Tua at four to the Chargers, Dolphins drafting quarterback Justin Herbert at five. I'll give you a second to collect your thoughts. Herbert's that quarterback that's like cool to hate on this year. There's one in every draft. But I'll say this, Herbert, for all of his warts and the ups and downs that he does have, his skill set and his floor is higher than guys that have gone in the top 10 before, like Daniel Jones last year. Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Better tools, better production, better consistency. Josh Allen, Herbert, comparable physical tools. Much higher floor as a passer than what Josh Allen was coming out. Buffalo won 10 games with Josh Allen last year. It can be done, so let's be receptive to it. I think it's necessary for us as Dolphins fans to be prepared for anything because, listen, with the unknown, we talked about this a little bit on Friday's show, with the unknown dynamics that COVID-19 has introduced to the draft process and to his medicals, and the Dolphins' doctors are not going to have a chance to put their stamp of approval onto his recovery. All they're going to have to work with is an updated set of scans and what they had the chance to get from the combine. That's it. It's abnormally larger risk than you would typically have in a risky proposition of drafting quarterbacks. The Dolphins want to say, hey, you know, you want to go up and go get Tua, go ahead. We'll stay put. We'll keep our picks. And if they draft Herbert, let's see what they use to build around him. So the rest of Joe's mock, Makai Becton at 18, which I would poop my pants. I am not kidding. I love the fit. I love the football player. Becton, next to Eric Flowers, is a nasty combination. One-two punch. Long arms, heavy hands, dense football players. 
we talked about when we talked about the Dolphins offensive haves and have nots. Guys that can get downhill and put you in a hole. Mekhi Becton's about as good as it gets. Him and Andrew Thomas alike. So for Mekhi Becton to end up sliding to 18, I'm a kid in a candy store. I forgot all about not getting Tua. Although I like Herbert more than the consensus anyway. And the Dolphins coaching staff should get the benefit of the doubt based off the jab they did in 2019. Just saying. Then at 26 to finish the first round, Cesar Ruiz, interior offensive lineman from Michigan. I'm worried about Ruiz getting out of the top 20. Uh, Joe aided this by having the Panthers trade back into the 20s from 7th. And also the Dallas Cowboys passing over Ruiz at 17. That's a big roadblock because they had Travis Frederick retire. So we went back then at 18. Raiders don't really need interior offensive line. Jaguars, they could use it, but they get they get a lot of problems on defense. He had them going with the safety. Eagles need wide receivers. Vikings could feasibly use it, but they just picked Garrett Bradbury, a center in the first round of last year's draft. The Panthers are in here because they trade it back. Saints don't really need interior offensive linemen. They drafted Eric McCoy in the second round last year and brought back Andrus Pete in free agency. Vikings again, and then the Dolphins. So yeah, Ruiz at 26. I think he's got guard tackle or guard center flexibility. So now you're talking about an interior offensive line with Eric Flowers, Ted Karras, Cesar Ruiz, interior trio, Mackay Becton playing left tackle. Let's go. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Bring me John Beck. Hand the ball off 40 times behind this tidal wave in Miami. Run the ball downhill. Give me Pat White. I don't care. If the Dolphins walk out of the first round with a quarterback, Mackay Becton, and Cesar Ruiz, I'm doing naked backflips down my sidewalk. And then you get to the second round. And mind you, Joe, at his heart, in his core, uh, Joe and I were the best men in each other's weddings. We're best of friends. But he's a Bills fan. He's a Bills fan, and he still gave the Dolphins J.K. Dobbins at 39. And then you get to 56, and he gave him safety, free safety Ashton Davis from Cal, who worked with Miami's, uh, one of Miami's new coaches, uh, Gerald Alexander, at Cal last year. Former track athlete. He's got a ton of back-end speed. Now you put Bobby McCain in the nickel. Then at 70, he gave him wide receiver Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Burt Wilson replacement. Uh, he's more dense. He's more durable. He's a little bit raw as a route runner. But as we've talked about, if Miami's going to run this downhill running, power running, horizontal spread and spacing, and they want to get somebody who can make house calls out of the slot and run slants and RPO type stuff, Ayuk's that kind of receiver. Super explosive. He's got 33.5-inch arms. He's got a huge catch rate. He can catch in traffic. And he's he's capable of taking something in stride, and he does well in space, almost like quasi-punt return type stuff. So this Dolphins mock draft, courtesy of Joe Marino, gave the Dolphins Justin Herbert at 5, having the Chargers trading up above them to get Tua. Mackay Becton at 18, Cesar Ruiz at 26, J.K. Dobbins at 39, Ashton Davis at 56, Brandon Ayuk at 70. You guys ready to play some football? I know I am. It's one hell of a three-round haul for the Miami Dolphins, courtesy of Joe Marino at the Draft Network. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I'd recommend it. 
if you guys haven't had a chance to hit subscribe to this podcast, I would highly recommend it. Got a lot of great stuff cooking. We got Power to the Pod coming tomorrow, in which I answer your questions. Fan questions I will solicit on Twitter. I did get a couple people say they signed up on Twitter uh, to interact and, and get questions of the pod, which is cool. If you're not a part of that group yet, I still hear you. I'm still working on finding what the most logical sense is. I love you guys, but I'm not going to open up my emails. <laughs> not opening up Facebook. Hell no. I'll figure something out. If you want to get a question in the meantime, I did see somebody left a five-star review with a question. Might not be a bad way to go. Tell you what, if I log on tomorrow morning and you have a five-star rating with a question, because you don't want to use Twitter or anything like that, I guarantee you I will read your question. Is that a little shameless of me? Maybe. Do I care? Definitely not. Kyle Krabs, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Bring it back again tomorrow for Power to the Pod. Happy Monday. Happy mock drafting. We're getting close. Time to get excited about the 2020 NFL Draft.